Hey everyone, this is Future Will. Um, I meant to add this to the end of the episode, but I totally forgot. Um, we're gonna go through the character creation with Zach. We're gonna get to that really soon. But I wanted to let you know that before, between now and uh, session one, things will probably change, right? This is our first time going through character creation. Um, there'll be weeks in between when we pl actually play our first session. So if Zach comes up with ideas, there might be changes. What you can do though, is go to our website, dungeonsanddesigners.com and underneath his card, we can see his little face. We'll pray, we're gonna try to put up his character sheet. And that should be like the most up-to-date information about what he's playing. So I hope you enjoy this. We kind of get into the nitty gritty about how you do a character and how you build everything out from the beginning. Um, it's about an hour. If it's boring, uh, wait a couple weeks and we'll have more story-driven content. But I think it's fun. I hope you enjoy it. Um, I guess I'll give it back to past Will. See you later. Welcome back to Dungeons and Designers, episode two of our expanded session zero of our new campaign, Lathander's Ring. Uh, today, I'm going to be here with Zach Wilkinson, and we're going to go over his character creation. How's it going, Zach? Oh, pretty good, man. That was crazy. That intro, that monologue you did last episode. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, this should I'm be so fun. Excited. This should be fun. I'm excited to see how your character fits in here. Mm -hmm. you've given you give me a little bit of heads up so i've got my multiple books um so your character is going to rely on volo's guide to monsters and the player's handbook primarily easy peasy stick to the basics right i think so so what i'm going to do is i'm going to switch screens over here so that um people on youtube can watch but this is mostly an audio all right so i just brought up our player our character sheet so the first step to making a character for us is going to be your character's name. What have you been thinking? Um, so it needs to be something um, mysterious, <laughs> uh, exotic, scary, maybe a little bit of funny with a little bit of sugar on top. I no, guess, I, I guess, yeah, before we start names, I, I know the reason you're saying this. Yeah. Um, it's because you are picking a race that embodies those things, right? Mm -hmm. Why don't you tell me what uh, race you're playing? I have a proclivity to choose characters that are either directly related to animals that I care about in real life or <laughs> are the animals that I care about in real life. And so today I'm playing one of the most, or this season I'd like to play one of the most um, mysterious species a lot of role play lore that I'm excited to see how fits into this I said season but this campaign um, the raven class the covids I'll be playing the, the kinkus I said covid it's corvid <laughs> I was like what not not covid 19 corvid you know corvid. Like, like a bird yeah yeah, yeah I'm, a, um, I'm excited I think kenku is a really unique race in D&D. &D. Um, really fun because unlike the Aarakocra, that just seems overpowered and mm -hmm. um, like they were given all the gifts of, of life. The, the Kenku have built-in setbacks. Yeah. Which I think makes it a richer, more interesting character overall. Can't fly. First of all, we got a bird who can't fly. Right. And I don't know how much you've read about Kenku, but yeah. like the the lore that Wizards of the Coast has put into the Kenku is very interesting about how like they used to be able to fly and how they, they actually were majestic. Well, they used to serve. Uh, I believe it was the demon lord Grits. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's it's this naturally evil creature that was um, cast out of kind of Grits Plane, which I'm assuming is um, Avernus, but I could be totally wrong. Um, sure. <laughs> but being cast out of that plane and put on some material plane and then their ring win, wings are removed yeah and then on top of that they were also too clever and too intelligent right so they limited the there's um one aspect that if you if you go on reddit or just google it a lot of contention around how they speak the lore says that they only speak through mimicry right so some people only play like they make sounds or they copy stuff they've heard or they can only say phrases that other players have said. I 
like in real life, the way that crows and parrots mimic people, they say all the words they've ever heard. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a pretty wide bank anyway. So let me, I don't know if you have Volo's Guide. Um, I don't believe you have that book. But let me read to you. Uh, there's a note section on the Kenku specifically about this. Yeah. If you're playing a Kenku, constant attempts to mimic noises can come across as confusing or irritating <laughs> rather than entertaining. You can just as easily describe the sounds your character makes and what they mean. Be clear about your character's intentions unless you're deliberately aiming for inscrutable or mysterious. You might say, yeah. you might say Snapper makes the noise of a hammer slowly and rhythmically tapping a stone to show how bored he is. Or he plays with his dagger and studies the Lord's Alliance, blah, 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 blah. Creating a vocabulary of noises for the players can decode might sound like fun, but it can prove distracting and can slow you down the game. So yeah, this idea of like you copying everyone around you to try to convey messages sounds just extremely annoying. Yeah, or I could just I could just stand here with some like sandpaper and some nails. Yeah, kind of you know fully worked our way through this season. Yeah, but I don't think I'm going to do that. So that there's going to be there's definitely two tracks we can do right because we don't want a character that's just annoying every time it comes on. Mm-hmm. The first is you can go. We can just kind of slightly ignore this part of the Cancun. Just say like you've been on a, a ship surrounded by humanoids your entire life. You've grown enough that you can just speak um, different words. Maybe your tone shifts for different words they picked up from different people. Or because it's a future fantasy game, we can give you like a device or something that <laughs> a device that just like trans transfers or um, I don't know what the word would be, but like I speaks it, for I think you. Like that, yeah, kind of a bumblebee aspect almost from Transformers. Yeah. So what I'll say about this setting, though, is it's it's like our last setting. It's a little bit dark, right? You're in space. Your home planet was destroyed. Um, and there's going to be a little bit of, like, grit and realism, kind of like how I would uh, I would compare Star Trek and Star Wars. Like, Star Trek's fun, kind of lighthearted. There's some deep stuff in it, but, like, Star Wars feels gritty a lot of the time. Star Wars will leave your aunt and uncle skeleton on the front door if you should have gone... <laughs> so what i would say is like if you have a device on you that um puts out sounds anything on you is is has the capability of being destroyed right so just keep that in mind like if we want to go this route where heavy role play we're keeping to the kenku lore and you have a device that helps speak if something happens if a creature gets like a crit Mm -hmm. and like knocks you out maybe that device breaks That that would be an interesting fault if I could put it that way. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not saying that th- that could happen, but um, things to keep in mind. Like, do you want to be conscious and kind of build in this thing where you require a device other than what's in you to help speak? Sounds good to me. All right. So with, with because your... Because then if, if the terrible happens right. until it could be repaired, then we go into the WIC makes the noise of a grappling hook scrapping on the side of a metal ship Mm -hmm. while she demonstrates that motion. Yeah. There's also, before we get to what you're naming your Kenku, there was a really interesting... Oh, I just dropped it. Sorry. Oh, what'd you say? (laughs) What was it? Wick. Oh, Wick. Yeah. Okay, so W-I-C-K? Yep. Cool. No beans this time. So another super interesting thing about the Kenku... Um, it says these Kenku are more ambitious and daring when talking about Kenku who go out for adventuring. Uh, these Kenku are more ambitious and daring than their followers. Others strike out on their own in search of the secrets of flight. And with this being a setting all about space travel and spaceships, I think Kenku are an extremely interesting race because of this like want to fly and want to explore, which I think could play an interesting part into who you are as a as a Kenku. I think, that can play, I think especially I have a sense of a background that I'd like to play with or start with. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to hear it now? Or you want to wait till we roll some stuff? No, let's let's. So I gave you pre this campaign a document. I don't know if you had time to like really go through it all. Yeah, but, I have it pulled up right now. Cool. So let me get, let me get it up for me. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Uh, so your race was the first thing I asked you to talk about. Let's talk about your personality and like, before we pigeonhole your character and how they behave because of a background or a class, 
let's first choose how you want to play a character and then we can choose the stuff after that to be based on your play style sure um i think we've kind of touched on almost all the aspects so far there is wick comes across as um kind of withholding Mm -hmm. like maybe some possible trust issues but not really with the other person but like opening up herself maybe some uh also female kenku female kinku yes cool um maybe from the electronic voice box she uses carries um maybe some from her background we'll go over in a little bit but also um it's like i think she comes across almost like a puppy who sees a bigger fun dog running around with a stick and she's okay. apprehensive in the corner waiting for an opening to get in there and play with it but isn't quite ready to go on her own to find that fun herself or with the pack. Cool. That makes sense. I think it makes perfect sense. What I would encourage, and this will be not something you need to do today, but um, in our last campaign, uh, Courtney played Yola. In the first few episodes, that was her idea of kind of being like a loner, kind of outcast. But I think something that Courtney realized was playing that character can be um, not boring, but not as a part of the, the game. Right. So just like maybe you're going to want to figure out how your character can be more involved and not be such an outsider when you're working together towards a common goal. Makes sense. And that's purely for just like you having as much fun in the game as possible. Um, I think Dan too, we had like that issue a little bit where like Dan was also kind of like a loner rebel. And like when you have like two loner rebels, like why are you even a party? <laughs> <laughs> Um, a pack of one, right? Right. <laughs> a pack, yeah, it was like uh, Fennec or being, being alone <laughs> with two people yeah. behind him. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> yeah, and maybe I think that willingness to participate will come out quicker while still wanting to withhold the past. Oh, yeah, and like having secrets yeah. is a, a thing of life, right? Like we all have secrets. Yeah. Um, so the next thing we talked about on my this list I gave you was your goals and what drives you. Um, so so the things that yeah, we're gonna worry about like so this will come in your backstory, but like why are you on Lathander's ring? Either why were your pan- parents here or further, or why did you end up here? Where did you come from? But like, what are your goals to push you into an adventurer's role? Right, like you're not a Kenku that's happy enough sitting behind a tavern serving beer. Right. Um, I think when the campaign begins, um, Wick is working as a cook in a restaurant on Lathander's Ring, back again in the background, but on part of a team, mm-hmm. just um, trying to stay out of the limelight. Okay, but you know she's a line cook; she's just going through it. Sure, and um, she is. She ended up on Lathander's Ring. Um, in my head as part of a Aarakocra gang that she was recruited into from her family. A lot of uh, Kinku were kind of known to be like move well in the shadows, quick fighters, rogues. Usually they're known as thieves or mm-hmm. hitmen. And so she worked as a bounty hunter for okay. a gang for a long time until the, the uh, bounty got too personal, too dark. Sure. And she's on the run from them. Okay, so you you want to play a character that is on Lathander's ring um, and in hiding now from the people she used to work with. Yeah. Cool. Um, while we're talking about that little bit of a background, um, let me bring up... So Lathan- my- Lathander's ring is a 12-ring space station. On my note for goals, yeah. it just says, get out of here. <laughs> get the out. <laughs> um so 12 rings makes up the Lathander's ring. The sixth ring is called the terminal and it's where ships dock and where multiple classes of people can intermingle because this, the, the station is very class driven um, with the highest class being up higher and the lower class being down lower near the engine. So on the sixth ring, this terminal, I've got, uh, a whole bunch of restaurants that you could work in. Would you? Do you want to try to figure out which one you want to work in now? Yeah. 
Okay, so we have uh, Carpri Sea Bar. Seafood inspired by the endless oceans of Carpri, which is a planet. The space uh, smells of salt and the sounds of crashing waves is playing throughout. The owner is a sea elf that requires a water suit to survive. So 100% seafood. Um, there's also like an aquarium that surrounds the, the restaurant. Uh, I don't know if seafood makes sense for you. Another one is called Old Toril, and it's food reminiscent of what food might have tasted like hundreds of years ago. It is decorated like an old-style tavern with a soil floor and candles and sounds of lutes piped throughout the space. So kind of like a ye old tavern, but <laughs> like how how accurate could it be over 700 years later? Right. It's medieval times on a spaceship. It is. That is the perfect connection. <laughs> it is medieval times. Um then there's the drafted uh, the drafted flask. Uh, the drafted flask is one of the rougher locations within the station's sixth ring. It is a fairly large L-shaped room, the bar being nestled behind the corner. Uh, the room is filled with tables and boarded with counters and dozens of stools. So this is just like your kind of old, um, kind of like Blade Runner-esque bar. Okay. And then I've got room uh, allotted for two more restaurants that I haven't filled in yet. So if neither of those or any of those kind of sound like, yeah, I'd want to work there. We can come up with a new restaurant for you. Let's roll for it. Okay. What do you got to roll us? Roll a D6. No, I'm going to roll a D4. Okay. Fourth being a new restaurant. Yeah. One. We're going to the seafood restaurant. Awesome. And I can send you information about who owns that. Uh, Your boss is going to be a male sea elf, Gaska. They're, the head chef is a half elf uh, named Dekoth Sin, or Sane. And then there's a prominent waitress that kind of works the floor called Suso Rissel, and she's a human. Nice. So you'll fit right in this intermingled group. Um, cool. So that gets us a little bit of what drives you. We know why you want to get off the ship is because there's other people here that you're no longer friends with bad dudes right we know you've got it we've got you a job so you were working as a chef um let's talk a little bit what's a mid-level restaurant chef like she's definitely not head chef but she's not a sous chef either like a line cook yeah that's what we'll put it yeah (laughs) so you're a line cook at the carpery sea bar all right, so the, the fourth or the third thing we want to talk about with what drives you are your faults. Um, I don't know if in here, did I write anything about your strengths? No, but... Um, so we can talk about that as well. So per- I think the faults would be just one straight-up uh, disability voice box. That is definitely, could be a fault. Sure. And I think also trust issues. I think those two would be the main ones. And who knows what else will pop up. Cool. So you got speaks with a voice box, trust issues. All right. So the background, we're going to do chef slash. I gave you a, a kind of a list of jobs to pick from. We can add a new one if you want chef to be your only background but these are kind of like ways that you've made money and ways that you've survived on the station so far i think chef slash bounty hunter cool so Uh, i think chef is kind of a newer one but bounty hunter was there for years yeah and that was like your role with the the gang yeah um Um, we did talk about this i guess but um around around uh 28 years old I think they follow pretty close to human ages. Um, so they actually, they're they, the age of a Kenku, you're an adult at 12. Okay. And their average life is 60. So you'd be... Uh, let's let's you'd, say eight, 18 then. Cool. If it's 12 as adult. I don't know where I would put that. All right, so Chef Bounty Hunter. So as a part of the Lathander's Ring in this setting document that we're creating, um, I've listed out, I believe it's seven seven careers and these would go into your backgrounds and replace like noble or any of those okay um so let me read you what being a bounty hunter gets you uh 
So, so the little bit of flavor I've written so far says never visiting a planet for vacation, but always looking for their current mark. So this idea is that you, you, you're often just working. You don't really know how to relax all that much. Um, you're expert marksman proficient with ranged weapons. So I know you wanted to get in, I know we'll talk about later, but like your class, you wanted to have some proficiency with a, a ranged weapon because guns are gonna be a big part of this campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can craft poisons with the right ingredients and you have advantage on medicine checks having to do with finding the origin of poison or illness. And I can copy all this, but like the idea is just like through working and through being around maybe other people, you've picked up a few skills that have to do with murder. Yeah. I would say either direct training or that's another fun part of kinku mimicry that I think comes through the lure. For sure. You've seen it enough. You can just do it. Yeah. Um, there's actually one um, race feature. Is that what they're called? Race features or race traits, maybe race traits. Yeah. Where um, they can mimic official documents. Yeah. Yeah. That's just fun. So let me go see that when you're trying to get off station or something. Oh yeah. Like you're going to be the kind of sly legal gray zone. (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right so i'm in your character sheet and i'm going to give you proficient with ranged weapons and even though this is not a proficiency i don't know where else i'm going to put it for now um the advantage on medicine checks having to do with finding the origin of a poison or illness i think on the character sheet you would put it in the um what's the thing on the features and traits maybe yeah and then on um if you if anybody uses D D beyond you can add in custom bonuses yeah it's gonna be fun to try to figure out how to use D beyond with uh this setting because there's so much that is in the the books but i'm sure we'll figure it out and get it make sure i check homebrew content before i go too far oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's see you are proficient in your choice of two of the following skills acrobatics deception stealth and sleight of hand and this is part of being a kenku think we'd have to go say them again acrobatics uh-huh. deception stealth and sleight of hand well they already get the plus two to dexterity so acrobatics would just be another one right so when you're proficient um you're not only rolling and then adding your skills modifier but then you also add your proficiency bonus on top of it so if you were doing acrobats you would get like your acrobatic um not proficiency bonus, your skill bonus, so probably two or three. And then you would also add your proficiency bonus, which goes up as you level. I think I'll go deception and stealth. No, yeah, yeah, deception and stealth. Okay, so going to check deception and stealth. Cool. Uh, Languages. You can read and write common and Orin, but you can only speak by using your mimicry trait. But we're saying you can speak common with the box. Yep. Cool. Uh, any other ones I need to learn? Or can I learn any others? Not yet. And I'm not sure if a class will give it to you or not. But that's, I think, uh, language is, is pretty limited to the Kenku. Um, beyond, I think, is there something that I can also speak Orin? That yeah, that's why. Yeah, I have uh, speak common. Uh, but you can write common in Orin. Okay. And that's like the bird language. Yeah. Which is, I believe, also available to the Air Cochra. So maybe that's how you communicated with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, you have expert forgery. You can duplicate other creatures' handwriting and craft work, which I think goes perfect into this bounty hunter idea. You have advantage on all checks made to pr- produce forgeries and duplicates of existing objects. So yeah, maybe when you're rolling for your bounty hunter poisons, you'll have advantage or something on kind of those kind of alchemic checks or whatever we're going to call it. Okay. Um, let's see. Size, you're five feet-ish. Yep. 90 to 120 pounds usually. Um, let's talk about alignment, which as a, as a DM and as we play it, we don't really hold to alignment too much. But as an initial initial idea of how you're studying your character how do you think your character is going to act um 
probably close to definitely in the neutral zone. Okay, like the chaotic neutral or Yeah. Um I think chaotic neutral just because of the almost deception she's putting on by the normalcy of her life, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like that feels like, you know, trying to live a normal life feels chaotic with what her background is. At least in the true D&D definition of chaotic neutral. I think that makes perfect sense. So something that we'll have to remember for later, I guess we could do it now, actually, is Akenku automatically gets an increase of two to dexterity and one to wisdom. So let's, you've decided you could either do your array, standard array build, which is a certain number that you can put throughout your skills or yeah. your attributes, or you can roll for them. And I believe you said you want to roll for them. I'm feeling frisky. Let's try it. So the way we're going to do this is if you roll uh, two numbers that are under eight, you can choose to wipe the whole board and start over. Okay. Um, I've all, are we just rolling 4d6 and then dropping the lowest die? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, if you get, if you roll four twos twice, you can um, choose to just start over. Okay. <laughs> um, a 10 is average. Okay. So if you get an eight, you're a little bit below average, but 10 is like a normal human's intelligence, human strength. Cool. Um, part of the reason why I wanted to try to roll was playing a or did we did we say clash yet we haven't you okay. can you can you can spill the beans if you want i'm gonna play a monk okay um and i'm not sure which subclass yet I, i'm leaning towards way of the shadow which is gonna be the new the new book right or is that no, a... i think i think that one's from player's handbook isn't it perfect i don't know i've um, never played a monk <laughs> yeah i think that's from that but um usually the dump stat is charisma Okay. But with the the bounty hunter background and stuff, I'd like to have a little more charisma than eight. Sure. At least try to. And you get a plus one to wisdom. Yeah. Which I believe impacts your charisma. No, so it doesn't. Do Charisma's want, separate. I'm dumb. Do we roll, like, do I roll for strength first or do we just roll six and then plug them in? As We're just going to roll six and plug them in. I'm going to type them in as you do it and then we can shift around. I don't have a camera for my dice yet. But it's you okay. Can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, five, six, and three. Five, six, three, fourteen. Yep. Five, two, three. Ten. ten. Four, six, three, thirteen. Thirteen. Five, five, three. Six, three, five, fourteen. Was that four? You have one more left. Three, three, five, eleven. Cool. So nothing below eight. Um, mm -hmm. And that's pretty good. I believe with the standard array, you get one that's 15 and one that's eight. So you got rid of your eight and you got rid of your 15 and you're kind of in the middle of those. So I believe it's way better than I normally roll. All right. Yeah, what's 14 is your, you have two 14s. Those are your highest. So I'm going to go put the 14s in dexterity and wisdom. Okay, then you have two 13s. Um, strength and constitution. Okay, you have a 10 and an 11. Let's put the 11 in Charisma and 10 in Intelligence. Cool. So you have 13 Strength, 14 Dexterity, 13 Constitution, 10 Intelligence, 14 Wisdom, 11 Charisma. Yeah, it feels like a good place to start. Like you said, pretty well-rounded. And... and then you get, because of Kenku, you get plus 2 to Dexterity. So that's mm -hmm. going to go to 16. And you get plus 1 to Charisma, which goes to 12. And plus I... 1 to Wisdom to 15. Oh, you're right. So that 15 won't do anything right now, but it'll help you later probably. So It's not going to take away anything either. So no. So I believe 
the way it works is every two above 10 gets you one to your modifier. So your strength would give you plus one to your strength. Dexterity should give you three. Constitution at 13 will give you one. Intelligence will give you zero. Mm -hmm. And your wisdom will give you two. And your charisma gives you zero. Nice. And you're using D&D Beyond, right? Yes. So does that all look right? Everything I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. And then I don't remember how saving throws work with this. We can figure that out. But I believe your skills, you just bring over those modifiers into each of those, right? I can tell you what my saving throw modifiers are because of D&D Beyond. Send, send it over. Yeah, strength is plus three. Okay. Dexterity is plus five. Okay, so it's going to be your um, attribute plus proficiency bonus, I'm sure. Yeah, because constitution is, constitution is one and wisdom is two. What is that dark? Your constitution is only one? Mm-hmm. Okay, does it have intelligence and charisma in there too? Um, yeah, those are both zero. Well, then I have no idea how that works. <laughs> we can look up that later. It's been a long time since I've had to make a character. I think it picks two as proficiencies or something. Yeah, you must have proficient skills with Kenku. Yeah. Or with uh, Monk. All right, so for acrobats, acrobatics... Is that um, three? Yep. Wisdom, uh, animal handling is going to be two? Yeah, so that follows the same. Cool, so... All that look right for you? Mm-hmm. Cool, so I believe... I believe that's all we need with your character race. Cool. So we can move on to your monk, right? Yeah. Oh, do we need to do HP? Oh, yeah. I'm dumb. That's that's a big one. That's a big one. I forgot it, too. <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. HP, I believe, comes from your class because it has to do with your hit dice. Okay. So it is um, so 1d8. So your first level is just eight plus your constitution modifier. Okay, so nine. I'm at nine right now. I believe your constitution modifier, yeah, is one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So from now on, every time you level, you can choose to roll a D8 or take five. That's how we play leveling. Yeah, now we'll do the monk features. All right, so uh, hit dice. Let's get that out of the way because that's nitty gritty. So your current hit points are nine. Um, Hit dice, you get, I believe it's 1d8 per level. 1d8 plus constitution. Yeah, but just your hit dice is, yeah, 1d8 per monk level. So you have one, 1d8. Uh, temporary hit points aren't a thing yet. And then speed. That probably came for your Kenku, didn't it? Where did yeah, it speed it from? 30 feet. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So let's get into Monk. So first, I, I'm interested why Monk. Uh, I like the the quick hit get out hide in the shadows and the possibilities for flavor role play in that being futuristic technology yeah you know if she hides in the shadows is she using like camo tech or some kind of disrupting beam that alters the perception of her enemies you know what what's going on so i think that um that kind of quick hitting, quiet, fast strikes will be a lot of fun. Yeah. I don't know what no, that sounds sounds cool. I think that I think Mug is fun. I don't know why I've never played one. Probably because I'm <laughs> always a spellcaster or ranger. You know. Yeah. Uh, same um, with if I space Skyrim. <laughs> what I'll I'll say this just add this little addendum. Sure. I was kind of weary about playing Monk at first because 
and Wizards of the Coast has acknowledged this, especially in Magic the Gathering, and they're beginning to work on a D&D, is that they haven't always approached issues of race mm-hmm. with dignity or respect that it deserves. Sure. You know, like, there's some pretty racist cards in Magic the Gathering that they've removed. And yeah. <laughs> Monk, um, for better or worse, has always been associated with like the idea of like Asian or Tibetan monks. Right. And almost in a detrimental way, like just sticking to like Kung Fu yeah. stereotypes and stuff. But I've kind of been reading and looking at the, um, and I guess by the time this episode comes out, the book will have come out, but was it Tara's call? Uh, Tasha's cauldron. Tasha's cauldron. Yeah. yeah. Which I've got pre-ordered uh, two days from now. I'll have it. So I'll be reading monk and then I'll tell you anything that changes up drastically. Yeah. <laughs> But they're shifting it around a little bit and just kind of focusing it more on the attack style and right. less on trying to copy anything from the real world. Yeah. So that shift also made me more interested in it, playing yeah. something new. It's interesting. Um, D&D, or Wizard of the Coast for sure, all their art and everything kind of looks like that Eastern Asian monk. Um, yeah. But I've known players who played it way more like a boxer many times. Right. Just like quick hands, quick jabs. And I think that kind of fits with what you're doing. You're altering the actions and just giving it a different kind of demographic almost. Yeah. So that's, that's exciting for me. And the, um, the new ed- addition of ranged weapons that we're going to add to it. Yeah. Is a lot of fun too. <laughs> yeah. Even, I don't, I know you said that ranged weapons or something comes in Tasha's. I haven't read much about Monk, but yeah, just having the bounty hunter will give you some proficiency with ranged weapons. But I'm, I'm also excited to see how your character might not re- always require that, right? Like, if we watch movies like Star Wars, um, the gun battles are great, but the lightsaber battles are, are better. Yeah. Um, even just, like, the little quick get in there and just shift to the back and then escape again. Yeah. Nobody knows, you know, how did this guy end up dead in a room with locked doors? It'd be fun to... Yeah, and I think... Um, like without spoiling anything, Mandalorian's showing that too, where like uh Bounty Hunter Mandalorian it was always like shooting, but now like we're seeing this like always up and close combat, grabbing things. So it'd be really interesting to see how your bounty hunter monk kind of transforms into this space. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's why monk. And no armor is fun too. Like no armor, but I still have fifteen armor class at level one. That's yeah, not- so um thirteen. Yeah, part of Monk is the unarmored defense and beginning at first level while you're wearing no armor and not wielding a shield, your AC equals 10 plus your dexterity modifier plus your wisdom modifier. So if we look at your character sheet, uh, if I bring that up, it went away. (laughs) It's 10 plus your dexterity, so three, plus your wisdom, which is two, so 15. Not bad for level one. No, and you have both hands free, and you're not taking any sort of um, any setback using like heavy armor or something like that. Um, you're like in between a fighter and a caster, which is cool. All right, another thing you get at first level are the martial arts. At first level, your practice of martial arts gives you mastery of combat styles that use unarmed strikes and monk weapons, which are short swords and any simple melee weapons that don't have the two-handed or heavy property. Mm-hmm. So that's... Uh... Sorry, I wonder if mastery of combat styles means you're going to get proficiency in that. Or do you just can use them? You gain the following benefits while you are unarmed or wielding only monk weapons and you aren't wearing armor or wielding a shield. So you can use dexterity instead of strength for attacks and damage rolls of your unarmed strikes and monk weapons, which is giving you, um, camera what they call it, like the rapier sword has it so you can use dexterity or strength. You just get that with all of the, your monk weapons. Yeah. You can roll a d4 in place of the normal damage of your unarmed strike or monk weapon. This die changes as you gain monk levels as shown in the martial arts column of the monk table. So if I'm looking at the martial arts at level 5, you can roll a d6. I don't I don't know. I guess for unarmed strike that could be cool, but a monk weapon should always be higher than a d6 or d6 or higher. So it's interesting. Yeah. 
Uh, let's see what it's got. When you use the attack action with an unarmed strike or monk weapon on your turn, you can make one unarmed strike as a bonus action. For example, if you take the attack action and attack with a quarter staff, you can also make an unarmed strike as a bonus action, assuming you haven't already taken a bonus action this turn. So that's the really cool part about this kind of close combat. If you're shooting from range, you won't ever get that bonus action. Yeah. So you do have an incentive to get close. Nice. Come up with a bow staff and then hit you in the face. And this goes back to kind of what you were saying about D&D and monk. Uh, certain monasteries use specialized forms of monk weapons. For example, you might use a club that is two lengths of a of wood connected by a short chain called nunchuck <laughs> mm -hmm. or a sickle with a shorter, straighter blade called a comma. Whatever name you use for a monk weapon, you can use the game statistics provided for the weapon in Chapter 5 equipment. Okay. So you get some other stuff at level two, but I don't think we need to go through all of that because we'll, you'll have to learn all that as we go. Yeah. Um, so looking over that, I don't believe we missed, oh, features. So yeah, you have unarmed defense, martial arts. Um, at level two, you're going to get 10 plus feet of movement for being uh, unarmored. So that's kind of rad. You're gonna uh, be I think I get three proficiencies at level one. Do you see that? It says I can choose from two acrobatics, athletics, history, insight, religion, and yep. spell. Totally, totally missed that. Good catch. Um, uh, I think so I'm going to go acrobatics and insight. Choose a musical weapon or artisanal tools. <laughs> so you're, wait, you brought up your acrobats. So that's going to go from three to five. Okay. And your you picked insight, right? Um, yes. So it's gonna go two to four. Okay. Because at level one through four, your proficiency bonus is plus two. Okay. And then a musical instrument or artisan's tools. Um. So if we go to artisan tools, I believe one that I might encourage you to take is gonna have to do with your your ability to make poisons. Is that alchemist supplies? I believe so. I was going to look it up right now because I can't remember. Um, alchemist supplies would be, I think, would make the most sense for for what you've been describing. Okay. And just giving you the, like, that will give you most of what you need to make a poison. You might need something special, but, like, that will give you the core ingredients. Um, and then instrument. I don't know if you could pick an instrument right now. But you can also like come up with something that you think is like a sci-fi instrument later if you want. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll do. I'll think of that. I think the alchemist tools makes the most sense. Perfect. And then your proficiencies, you get. Um, you're proficient in simple weapons. And short swords. Okay. Which we're gonna change around a little bit because we're gonna, we're gonna talk about that um, coming up real soon. Um, so yeah, you have your tools. You got your saving throws. That's yeah. So because you're a monk, you get your modifier to strength and dexterity, which is why they were higher. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's that's good for the class features. Let's talk about equipment. So first, you want a Dungeoneer's pack or an Explorer's pack? And we can look at what those do or have. Unless you've already picked one. I have not. Okay, so the Dungeoneer's pack comes with a backpack, a crowbar, a hammer, 10 pitons, 10 torches, a tinderbox, days of rations, 10 days of rations, a water skin, and a hempen rope. And of course, we will kind of modify all those to fit the space um right. like 10 torches one flashlight <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um so that's the dungeoneers pack and then you can also choose from sorry i should have had this up explorers oh, pack yeah. so that one's a backpack a bedroll a mess kit a tinderbox torches rations a water skin hemp and rope Hmm. 
in a mess kit contains a cup and simple cutlery. I think a um, explorer's kit makes the most sense. Explorer's pack? Yeah. Cool. So yeah, you get a, a backpack, a bedroll, um, kind of like a little bento box for food, uh-huh. um, a tinder box, which I'm assuming is like matches, flint, yeah. fire, steel, and tinder. So we're, you can just come up with whatever kind of visual lighter you want. Um, 10 torches. You can decide on a flashlight style that you want. Okay. Uh, 10 days of rations, so food, uh, a water skin, and then 50 feet of rope. Okay. Which you can choose if you want hemp in, like a, a fiber rope, or if you want some sort of synthetic rope. That'll be up to you. I never realized rope had hit points. Yeah, because <laughs> it can be cut. Yeah. Okay, so that gets those out of you're picking the the dungeon uh explorer's pack. Yep. Cool. So you get a short sword or any simple weapon. So let's talk about weapons in Lathander's Ring. Okay. Um this is a like the entire campaign, it's gonna be a very fluid document. And things are gonna change as we're exploring, right? Because we're kind of this is like an alpha test almost of what we're making. So if I go to items and I go to melee. Um, so things that you could have, you could have a taser, a steel pipe, a dagger, clawed gloves. We could include, um, an energy dagger, a metal rod. See, that's not, it's not like a simple weapon. I guess it would be a metal rod. Let's see. <laughs> Let's see what simple weapons are considered right now in D and D. I've got a metal pipe. You want to do the metal this pipe is, for now? No, I'm just, I'm just imagine like I've got a lead pipe and I know how to use it. Yeah, it's that, it's that kind of like a bruiser idea. Yeah. Um, yeah so quarterstaff is a simple weapon in D and D right now. So yeah, a uh, metal rod, a machete would be considered like a, a short sword, um, and then things that you couldn't use: a dual blade, an energy glaive, or a plasma blade so yeah for simple weapons you've got like your normal daggers your energy dagger your metal rod your machete those type of things what kind of character are you thinking like what would, what are your fighting styles going to be you think the weapon needs to be something that can be hidden so like i don't know if there's any room in there for like a collapsible quarterstaff if not, the energy dagger makes the most sense. Okay, let's stick with energy dagger for now. Um, okay. So, you know what I mean, just something like I don't know if the blade turns on and off, but like yeah, it does. Yeah. Hide it in her, yeah. It's kind of like a mini copyright infringement lightsaber. <laughs> or sure. um, the way I'm picturing it was like the end of Mandalorian season one, the dark saber, the dark blade, mm-hmm. like that kind of just like a energy. Um, so the stats on that is 1d6 electric damage. Okay. It's a finesse weapon, which is what I was thinking about before when you can use your dexterity or strength, but you can already do that. It's, um, and it can be thrown, uh, 20 feet or 60 feet at disadvantage. Which those are all, those should be pretty standard. The only difference, like a normal dagger is 1d4. So you're just getting a 1d6 instead of 1d4. And instead of it being piercing, it's going to be um, electric damage. Is there any recall on the throw? Was that? Like, what's it? If, you, if I throw it, what happens to it? It just drops to the floor after it hits? Yeah. Yeah, there's no string or anything to it. You don't have the force. <laughs> <laughs> like a little magnet in my hand. Yeah. Um, you try to draw it back and, like, everything else on the ship comes to you. Yeah, and you have no armor, right? Mm-hmm. So you're just gonna you're just gonna choose kind of what kind of clothes you want to be wearing. Um, okay. Uh, I'm thinking just general futuristic, maybe you know just a white jumper suit with some orange accents to it. Cool. Almost looks like yeah. Very low key. And then not e- trying to stand out. Even though you're proficient in ranged weapons, you're not gonna start with one because the monk doesn't get one in the beginning. But there'll be plenty of opportunities to get some. Cool. 
So yeah, I think that's your character. Is there anything that looks like we missed on D&D Beyond? I'm looking at character sheet. Um, I guess we should give you uh, money. Some monies. Some yeah. monies. So instead of gold, silver, copper, um, platinum, electron, we're doing one currency and it's just credits. Nice. So in D&D Beyond, you could use gold, maybe. Just pick whatever currency you want and that's always gonna be credits. So let's, uh, if we do, so I know D&D starting gold has to do with, um, like your lifestyle. Right. But we're going to ignore that. I have a, I found a table where it's just, uh, 5d4 GP. So 5d4 credits. I'm going to actually roll that on D&D Beyond. Cool. Instead of making you and the listener wait for me to <laughs> dig through all those. 5d4. Yep. Nine. Not great. <laughs> Not great. <laughs> but it's okay. You live a modest life. Um, hey, you know, line cook. It's tough going. It's, you don't even get included in most tips, right? Yep. Cool. So I think everything else, things that we didn't talk about and we don't need to today, um, your personality traits, we talked about them a little bit. I didn't write them down. Your ideals, we didn't talk about that too much other than like you need to get off this ship. Like that's what you want. Um, but there's another thing called bonds. And like, are there anything that you are personally attached to for any reason? And we don't need to discuss that right now. Maybe your bond okay. will be your party. Um, unless you have something that you wanted to bring up. But No, I'll have to look at these specifically. Um, and if you have any like that you guys have created for this. But generally, I would imagine the ideals are something along the line of, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. I'll have to look it up. But there, apparently, with Wick, there is a line at some point that she decided to leave this, you know, like this was too far. And right. I don't know what that is yet. But it was like, she was okay up until this point. So maybe it's like something, um, if the person that she was sent to, do the bounty on to take out was like a legit bad dude like there's measurements like they did x y and z so mm -hmm. they are okay but taking out this family who has a kid is too far so maybe that would be somewhere with the ideals and bonds to play around with i think that makes total sense there's also an idea that i think players and dms should know is that you don't need to have all this information up front um it's hard to spend so many hours making a character for them to die at level one, which being the only character that died in campaign one, you understand like you lasted yeah. a long time, but all of a sudden like all your work and ideas of who your character was, was gone. Mm -hmm. So be, be willing to evolve your backstory, evolve these ideals as you play. And as you discover kind of like who you are through oh. the character. You, you know this because we talked about it, but I'm like holding my backstory like this now, where with Finnick, I right. was like, this is it. Yeah, so. there was definitely a few a few things like I learned a lot. Last campaign was my first time DMing. And like I railroaded you guys so hard because like I couldn't allow anything else. And we're going to try to open that up a little bit more this time. And I think as players, I, I probably did not help you explain like how do you make a character and then you guys are just relying on things you see online. And uh, so much of that just isn't realistic. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're not authors. We're not voice actors, right? We're, we are visual designers. <laughs> right. So maybe draw your character. I don't know. Um, cool, man. Is there anything else that you think we missed that you want to go over about your character before we regroup in a few weeks for our session zero? Um, not without knowing what the rest of the party looks like. I'm very excited. No so, one will tell me anything. Screen. Yeah, so that's something we're doing. Um, traditionally, when you're making a party, all your players talk together and try to fill the roles required. We're trying. I don't know how good my players are doing at it, but we're, everyone's supposed to keep what they're doing a secret so when they show up, you're not like, oh, there's Wick the monk. You're just like, oh, there's Wick the Kenku. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, over time, you'll kind of realize what the Kenku can do. Um, I think that's nope. a little bit, a little more fun. Nobody knows. No one knows anything about cool. what the other people are doing, which is fun. So yeah, everyone might be looking around like, oh, who's going to cast the spell or who's going to shoot the gun? 
who's going to do melee or heal and like it's just going to be like no one's going to really know and you're going to figure that out as you play together like what a team does when they they're first introduced to each other like we're just trusting skills. you to make sure we don't get too out of balance <laughs> yeah we'll see um oh so i told you i uh before we recorded i told you i had three books yeah the third secret book you won't tell me right about. so um because tech is so important in this world and um tech is more important than credits every player is going to start with one tech item and to aid me in this i picked up a book called uh, arcana of the ancients it's a 5e supplement book all about making your campaign sci-fi what that's awesome yeah it's a super great i'm i've been just sitting reading it because it's so entertaining so what we need you to do is i need to get a d100 up on your computer oh yeah because i do not have one of those well you could have two d10s and we could try to do that but that's annoying and i need i might have is that the weird yeah like you'll have the zero zero and the single like chessix gives you the two (laughs) i'm like i never use that no, and it, honestly, if you rolled them, you asked me what they meant, I wouldn't be able to help you much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's roll a die. D100. All right, one dice, 100 side. Roll one time. Yep. 56. Okay. So I'm going to go back into the items and find... Okay, you got a Rodule of Branding. This is a single-use single, single use item. This one-foot-long crystal rod has a glowing blue tip. You can use the rod as your action to permanently mark the forehead or other specified location that you can touch of a target with a simple symbol, sign, or up to three words of your choice. Targets who would pr- prefer not to be branded must succeed on a DC-13 dexterity saving throw, to avoid gaining the brand, unless they're completely covered and therefore immune, the brand is permanent as a tattoo. I don't know how that's going to be helpful, but I think it's super fun. <laughs> how many words? Was that up to three? Oh, up to okay. three, and you need to be within one third of the person. Okay. Uh, it says the brand created by a Rodwell of branding could be punitive, could mark the target as a member of some society or group, or could be merely decorative. <laughs> but it's it's very permanent. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So that's cool. Uh, all all three players will get a random item that you won't know about either, in addition to class. Neat. Cool, man. <laughs> This was fun. Um, I hope you you enjoyed this character creation, maybe even a little bit more than last time, because there's, I think everyone's understanding how this is working more. Well, um, I won't compare. I won't compare the two, but it's it's apples to oranges. It it is fun, but it's not more or less fun than last time. You you killed it with season one, and I'm excited. To- well, more than more than your character, I meant like. Um, feeling confident that you've made a character that's going to work and your, your understanding of what D and D is and your stats. I think all of that is, has got to be a little bit more. I'm definitely, it, it, it won't take me quite as long to figure out how the rules work this time around. Well, we'll, we, (laughs) all of us are learning the rules. All right. Uh, thank you so much. Zach again, everybody, as always, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at D and D designers pod. Mm-hmm. Zach, where can we find you? Um, Instagram, ZS Wilkinson. Perfect. And you can find me at uh, Noble Folk Design on Twitter and Instagram. Um, as well as you can find all things Dungeons & Designers at DungeonsAndDesigners.com. Uh, catch you in one week. We are doing weekly episodes in December so we can get through all these character creations. So have a good week. Stay safe. Enjoy. I believe it is now December. Yeah, whatever it is. Happy holidays. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> That's another episode of Dungeons and Designers. Intro music is by Mon Plaisir. Editing and animation was done by me, your friendly DM, Will. Find this and more in the description. <laughs>